Paper crowns have their legitimate and within the proper context their serious uses. They are in the long run not much less absurd if imagination mend them than all earthly crowns. And welcome back to the Riosverse, everyone. I am your host, Chris Rios, and you are listening to the Paper Crowns Podcast, guys. I am so happy to be back. We were gone for a while, actually. Uh, you know, we're trying to figure out this pandemic, what's going on. We had to make some priorities in life, do some changes, lots of things like that. And unfortunately, some of the arts, like recording, kind of fell to the side. But I was able to put some uh, time aside now and uh, get something done. Now, we're still in the midst of this whole crisis and, and staying at home orders and things like that. But, uh, you know, this puts me in a place to challenge my own creativity, to help me figure out where I'm trying to go with this uh, podcast and what I can do to still provide some entertainment and some content. Luckily, I have amazing friends who uh, are able to answer phones and things. And so I thought, you know, what would be a good thing to do. Let's go ahead and revisit some of the older podcasts. Let's go ahead and do kind of like a highlight reel, if you will. I'll go ahead and reach out to the other guests who have been on the podcast before, the alumni, if you will, and ask them what is going on in their world during the pandemic. How are they handling all the troubles that we're facing today? Uh, Are they finding a way to connect with their creativity a bit more? Or perhaps they're struggling and to talk about those items and what we can do to help cope. Because I know in the, the last bonus episode I did, I said, you know, we have to seize this opportunity. We have to do something great. But, you know, I'm seeing that a lot of people are struggling with doing that and me being one of them as well. I myself, you know, I, I get down. I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do some work. But my my heart isn't there. You know, uh, it's it's OK to deal with a lot of fear in this world and during this pandemic. And so we have to decide how do we cope? How do we get ourselves out of it? How do we become satisfied with the world that we're in now? And how do we confront this world and and find a way to be appreciative of the world that we're in? And say, you know, sure, we're locked away in our homes and sure, this is a a bit of a scary time, but how do we grow from it? Can we grow from it? And a lot of people are finding uh, answers to that questions in different ways. And luckily, we get to hear from our past guests and see how they're dealing with it. Now, the guests, when I speak to them, uh, when I give them a call, they weren't done in the same order as we recorded, simply because some people answered their phones, some people didn't. I reached out to everyone. I try to record in order. Uh, but some people were just easier to get to than others. Now, it, it became a struggle for me as I was going through the older episodes. I was going, oh, I like that. I like that story. And I like that story. And we should put that one in as well. And before I knew it, I was like, I'm putting the whole damn podcast in there. <laughs> and I can't have a 10-hour a, a podcast. That'd be insane. Uh, and even with that being said, I had to go ahead and break up the this kind of like revisit to the older episodes into two other episodes. So you're going to have, you know, three guests on one episode, three guests on another episode, uh, which will come out later this week on Wednesday. I'm going to post that. Uh, but this one I had to put out right away. I wanted to get it done and get it out. Uh, one, because it's just been so long since I was able to produce a episode of the Paper Crowns. And I, I didn't want that to happen. Like I said, a muscle will atrophy if it's not, if not used. And I had to go ahead and sit there and go, I'm going to put out an episode. I'm going to sit down and get it together. And, and hopefully I didn't. Hopefully you do like it. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of different things uh, going through them. We're going to do a nice little highlight of each episode that I've done so far. 
and we're going to talk to the guests on those episodes and get their insight on what's happening right now in the world. Now, the first guest that we had was the beautiful and amazing and extra talented Moxie Shenanigans. Moxie Shenanigans, professional cosplayer based here in Orlando. Absolutely amazing person. And I was absolutely blessed to have her as my first guest to speak to. And this was one of the episodes that as I started getting into it, I was like, man, I just want to include everything, everything. You know, but I decided to include some of the things that I were absolutely charmed by her with. Uh, and one is going to be her story on Kevin Smith, and the other one is going to be uh, her story of one of her first cosplays that she did that made her fall in love with the idea of cosplaying. Yeah, let's go ahead and listen to that first bit there. This is going to be her first story with uh, her Kevin Smith interaction, and I, I try to just get clips of, of just the guests talking. However, uh, it was a conversation, so I'm in a bit of it. But yeah, you're going to hear me... Um, you know, talk a little bit about my experience with Kevin Smith and how I adore her experience with Kevin Smith, which was such an amazing experience overall because, and you'll hear in the in the clip that she earned it. You know, it wasn't something that, uh, you know, she won or, or that she paid for to, you know, to go see him at a con. I mean, I'm sure she's done that plenty of times as well. But I mean, this was something that she earned. She worked hard for it and she got, and it's one of the most charming and amazing stories and fulfilling stories that that I could ever uh, hope to have even been a witness to, and hopefully you feel the same way, and and just enjoy this this beautiful person talk about this amazing experience that she had, and I hope you feel the same amount of pride that I did listening to her story. So let's go ahead and hear it out. So this is our first clip from our first guest, Moxie Shenanigans, episode one of the Paper Grounds podcast. I mentioned, you know, standing side by side with Kevin Smith, who is one of my own personal heroes. And, and mine as well, and, and completely mine as well. Uh, can you talk about that story a bit, like like oh, yeah, how, that, how that brought you there? Um, that, huh, that genuinely probably still one of the most amazing things that's ever happened in my life. I still don't really know if it actually happened. It's one of those <laughs> where it was like, wait, did did that happen? Did did I go and shoot this movie? I I don't know. Um, but it's actually there's actually more to the story than you know. So it started. Um, I was going to a panel for Stan Lee at Megacon, at a Megacon Tampa, it was a much smaller convention. And mm -hmm. um, he was not supposed to come into town. There had been a hurricane and he came in just to raise funds for the hurricane, which was completely heroic in itself because Stan Lee was amazing. Is and always will be amazing. Um, Kevin Smith ended up walking out onto, onto the stage during that. Mm -hmm. And they ended up doing an auction to, to raise money for the hurricane. And Kevin Smith auctioned off a cameo spot in the movie wow and i remember thinking i was super broke at the time and i remember thinking like even even if i like any money i would have i would give it and they obviously hit that they hit that number way early on like i think it ended up selling for like i want to say like between eight and ten grand something Oof. like that um they sold a few big bigger items so I, I can't specifically remember the numbers but um they ended up selling selling a cameo spot it went there were there was at least two or three thousand people in this auditorium it went to the people sitting directly behind me, oh. like immediately behind me. Like I could feel this woman's breath on my neck. Oh, they were directly no. behind me. Um, and I just remember thinking like, God, that would be the most amazing experience in the world to be on the set. Yes. I didn't even care if I was in the movie, but just to be on set with my favorite director because films and movies, I grew up in a video store, like films mean so much to me. It's yeah. the language that I speak. It's, it's why I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, between Stanley and, and movies in general, I've just built who I am. Um, so I was super bummed out and, uh, about a year later, 
Kevin Smith posted on his Instagram that they were filming a convention scene and they were looking for cosplayers to be in the convention scene and people should submit photos. And I was like, oh my God, this is my chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I... Like, this is I, what I do. Yeah, this is this is me. I can yeah. do this. <laughs> this is my niche. Um, so I, I think I just blacked out for like four days and just all of a sudden I just had a costume in front of me. You did it quick. Um, I it remember was, like you were like, this is happening. And then I was like, he, okay. And then you were like, here it is. And yeah. I was like, it's been like 12 hours. Which like, is whatever. not like me at all. Usually I procrastinate. But he, he didn't put a deadline on the contest. So I was... For days, I was like, I'm going to finish this and it's already going to be too late. Yeah, like, they were, yes. They're already going to pick everybody and they're going to fill up by the time I submit this because there were a lot of people commenting that they already had costumes. Oh, my oh, goodness. I'll, yeah. Oh, I'll send a picture of what I did last year or something like that. Jerks. Um, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't deserve it. Yeah. That's not true. You totally all deserved it. No, you're, you guys did wonderful. a great job. Yeah. All my fellow extras, you're amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I put together... Uh, an original mashup costume. It was, it was called Captain Bluntman. So it was a mix of Captain America and Kevin's character Bluntman mm-hmm. um, for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I ended up getting picked and it was the most insane moment of my life. I just sat and cried for a few minutes. Oh, I was late goodness. to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were okay with it because I told them why. Yeah. <laughs> and we ended up, I was essentially just, I was a glorified extra. You know, it was really cool to be an extra in a costume that I had made. I, yeah. never, I never imagined that that would ever happen remotely. Um, but when it was done, I kind of sat down and realized like, wow, I worked really hard. And this is something that I was willing to pay any amount of money for. And I ended up earning it. Mm-hmm. And it meant so much more to me. It meant so much more to me because of that, because I'd earned it. 100% you earned it. That costume was great. You killed it. Oh, I mean, you. you looked amazing. Thank you. No, yeah. And and the helmet was totally badass. <laughs> you did the movies cup. Yeah. It, you did so many details. And that's what I love about your cosplay. You do so many details. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I love Maui or I love Ariel. And I'm like, look at the R2D2 flounder. <laughs> like, that's like my deal. Zoom in on this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think all those details is probably what caught his eye. I mean, uh, like I know Kevin Smith. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> but I did have some correspondence with him back when he was doing his, you know, when he had like eight podcasts he was running. Yeah. Um, with Edumacation was one of his podcasts that was my favorite. He did with Andy McElfish, who is, um, you know, this big science dude. And uh, I mean, he's the podcast king. Yeah. <laughs> and. and and they were just so much fun and they would talk about science things and they would ask for people to chime in with different things here and there. And it was like me and like a handful of other dudes that were listening at the time when they started that podcast that we were just we were just the first 10 people that of that crowd that would comment and he would know. And so like uh, he would always be like, oh, Chris Rios wrote this and they're like, yeah, I like Chris Rios. And they would be like, <laughs> like his name is Rios. He and, said he my name. and I was like, I'm famous. <laughs> and he would like retweet my stuff. He knows who I and heart my tweets and i was like this is so great i remember being like so proud of just that of like oh i have a connection with kevin smith mm-hmm. and then beyond that uh he also uh my my good friend Zahamali, he also uh worked with kevin smith through dave school they helped him do uh tusk which what? yeah and so they did the the special effects for that and a couple other things um but they always send me pictures of like oh look who we met and they're like standing with kevin smith and i'm like it's like he's right there. And then, <laughs> and then you had the thing with Kevin Smith. So and I was close. like, he's so close. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. You know, so I mean. Uh, That's exactly it, what I did on set. Yeah. I was just like, I was just like, I can hear his beard. <laughs> <laughs> when he walked by and you're like, Kevin. I, I, I want to touch the yeah. coat. <laughs>
I'm not going to say that's enough for me. I'd love to meet him one day. Hopefully yeah. I do. And and uh, you never know. He's such a great role model for people. I mean, specifically about what we're talking about here, about mm-hmm. uh, people who are creative and, and have an outlet that they want to try and just don't know how to start or, or get too discouraged from it. And Kevin Smith is, has, in my mind, always been this hero of like, wow, he wanted to be a filmmaker mm-hmm. and he just gave everything. And he, he gave everything. And he has said multiple times, like he thought it would fail, but he knew that if he didn't try... That nothing would ever come of it. And he, and, and he always sits there, and, he, and, and one of the prisoners that he's so like self-deprecating, like that's like his his comedy style. He's just yeah. like, I don't deserve to be here, you know. Like that's like his whole thing. <laughs> Why do you like me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, but it's it's you're right. It's just that it's the fact that he is absolutely one of us, he's and the ultimate and nerd boy. He made it happen. I, that, that was his one thing for doing this uh, this last tour that he did. Mm-hmm. You know, his the the reboot movie. Yeah. Uh, which you, you were I haven't seen it yet. But you were in it, right? You I were was in, in, in it, in it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't speak or anything. I'm literally yeah. just an extra. But I was in it for like a while, for like yeah. a minute straight. I was really happy about That's it. That's really awesome. Because I was to be like, fair, though, like literally the whole time I was like, hey, I'm not going to let myself get too excited if I'm not on screen. Because mm-hmm. there were so many other extras. Like yeah. I didn't expect to be on screen, really. I thought that I would just get to go to set and be there. Did you see and like all the other extras that showed up and you're like, oh, no, I'm not as cool as them. Like that, like. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I was no, probably actually, the best one. Actually, no, no, no. De- definitely wasn't the no? best one. Oh, no, there, come were on some, now. there were some genuinely cool cosplays. Yeah. I mean, of all, of all variations, but that's what I love about cosplays. Like, yes. there, were, there were people who were just starting out and Kevin picked them. And then there were people that, that had fully intricate, crazy cosplays and they were picked as well. And that's what a con looks like. It's people mm. of all of all skill levels and all, all budgets. Cause that's it, a whole other factor. It, it really is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. It's, you know? it's phenomenal to see people, to see people doing that. And you see the, um, encouragement from between these people, you know? And like, I, I'm, I'm totally goofing when I say like, Oh, your costume was better than those other people. But like, I'm, I'm just cheering on my girl here. But I know that when you are standing amongst all those people, like there's a part of you that you all just kind of look over and give daps. Like, yeah, we made it. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, that's, that's what it yeah. is. Well, I always, I mean, as a costumer, there's there's definitely been days where I've worn a new costume and been like, oh, well, nobody really recognized who I was. Or, mm-hmm. And it, it is kind of a bummer. And I'm still proud of them. I still love those cosplays. I did them because I love them. But with that mindset, we I also very actively try, like, if I see someone in a cosplay that I like, especially if it's something that I know is obscure... Just gas them up, man. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're thinking a positive thought, just throw it at them. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't you know, cost you like, anything. they believe me, they will not be upset about it. They want to hear this. They want some kind of encouragement. They It makes them happy to know that someone else recognizes the work that they put in, or at the very least, shares their love of that character or the reference that they're making or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. this goes for all art forms. Like, gas up your friends man no you're right see an artist that's doing something you like tell them you like it because i guarantee they probably don't think people like it or they're maybe getting down themselves or they're having a bad day whatever but it doesn't it can do nothing but good so yeah amazing story by max shenanigans about how she applied you know her work to her dream and she earned that experience with kevin smith and what i really loved about the end of that clip there is that she really brings it back to how we need to pay it forward to our other creatives out there. We really need to gas up our fellow artists and support them and show them that that we're all in this together, that we're all in this path of trying to do what we love for a living, trying to do what we love to survive. 
And that is a very particular, you know, state of happiness that a lot of people don't get to achieve. And one of the things that she she said in this, and, and I play it in my head all the time, and it's a, a quote that has been cemented in my brain forever and ever, and that is when she goes, you know, if you see something that you love, you see a piece of artwork that you are, are captured by, go up to that artist and, and give them a compliment. It doesn't cost you anything. And I don't know if you fell in love with it the same way I fell in love with it, but when you hear her say that, it sticks to you. She says, go up to that person and say something. It doesn't cost you anything to give a great compliment. And she's 100% right. She's an amazing person. And, and, and I couldn't have asked for a better guest as my first guest on the Paper Crowns podcast. She was she brought so much intensity and love and insight into what it means to be an artist and to support other artists. And in talks of supporting another artist, she uh, goes on further to discuss one of the greatest artists and writers and, and, and creators of our time, uh, Stan Lee. And she has a great bit of information about Stan Lee. And I, I loved it so much because it mirrored so much of my own insight as to what inspired me to, to go for my win. And so she talks about Stan Lee and, and what he did for pop culture and nerds all around the world. Uh, and also the message that she got from Stan to follow her own dreams and follow her own pursuits. And I think that was a great bit of, of information to share. So we're going to listen to it one more time. Here it goes. Uh, and we touched on, on Stan Lee, and I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on Stan Lee. I mean, he wasn't just such a great creative mind, but he really, really put a focus on making making a difference with the stories he was telling and with the characters that he was putting out there. And, I mean, at the time, a lot of people don't even realize that, like, X-Men was written about racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's he was literally talking yeah. about, like, Social Malcolm injustice. X and Martin yeah, Luther yeah. King when he wrote Professor X and Magneto. This All of his stories were about being kind to each other and that the fact that being heroic isn't necessarily saving a person, but just being kind and giving someone support when they need it. Or, or just, just not being a dick. Just stepping up to the plate. <laughs> exactly. You know? Doesn't even exactly. matter if you're successful. I mean, the X-Men did not win every battle at all, but they stepped up. They were the ones who stepped up to the plate, even when people didn't want them to. Exactly. You know, they were the enemies. They're, even when they were, they were the which evil happens mutants. to artists all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I want to do this. And everyone's telling you like, oh, well, you know, but you got to make money. You got to get a real take it job. seriously. Exactly. You know, there's so much focus. Man, well, 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 let me finish on Stanley first. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, yeah. There is actually one specific thing that Stanley, I heard him, I've heard him say it multiple times, but I did hear him say it during that same panel with Kevin Smith. Um, he talked about how he, he was about to leave his job before he wrote the first Fantastic Four comic. Um, and his wife convinced him, like, hey, if you're going to quit anyway, because they won't let you write what you want to write, what are they going to do, fire you? So just write write what you do want to write and just get it out there so it's out of your system and you know that you did it. And then it ended up becoming the most you know popular comic book of the time, and he ended up blowing up. Um, but with that story, he explained, hey, if you want to be successful at whatever it is that you're doing, don't ask me what you should be writing or what you should be doing. All I'm going to tell you is put out what you want to see. Dude. So if there's something that you like, emulate that. If there's some style that you really, really connect with, make that your style too. Because if you don't want to look at it or hear it, then why would anyone else want to? So don't try to aim for what people want to see. Aim for what you want to see. Powerful. Powerful message from Moxie Shenanigans and what she learned about Stan Lee. You know, don't try to copy someone. 
If you're confused as to what you should put out in the world, just look inside and think about what it is that you care about. What do you want to see? What's the artwork that you think is missing from the world? Imagine it, come up with it, apply it, work it out, and then put it forth for everyone to see. It will have success. It will share a common feeling with someone. Someone will see your art and appreciate it and know that that was what was missing from this world. And this is what Moxie does with her cosplays. She thinks about what does she want to see? What does she want to be happy about? What reflects upon her? And what can she bring forth to make it different and to make it new? What spin can she create to help elevate this cosplay into a new realm that represents who she is? And she is absolutely phenomenal at that. If you look at her Star Wars Ariel, and I mentioned this how much I loved her R2-D2 Flounder, which was so, so badass, and or her Beetlejuice, which was... You know, a female spin on Beetlejuice, the, you know, the gender swap Beetlejuice where her outfit's amazing. She's got the green hair and, and the Book of the Dead, which is phenomenal. Or her Beast Boy, which was also really, really, really cool. And, and she is she's just so creative. And I, and I can't stress enough how much of a pleasure it was to have her on the podcast. Now, when I called Moxie, I was really excited to hear from her because, you know, she had actually taken a break from her cosplaying and, and social media because she was dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of things in her life. And uh, just before I called her, she had uh, gone on and been like, hey, guys, I'm back. You know, I, I really want to have uh, this relationship again with uh, my fans and everything. And I was like, she's back. She came back. Awesome. And so I was really excited to hear her take on, on what's happening in the world right now and how she's dealing with it. What I was expecting was Someone to be like, oh my goodness, I turned my creativity up to 11 and I'm doing so much and I'm producing all this and you're going to see all these things and I do hope she hits there. But the reality was she was just like, it took a lot to adjust to. And that really threw me off because I was like, oh wow, there is another side to this whole crisis and take that I had about how we're going to be artists during this time. And she brought a level of truth and she brought a level of insight that I had not thought of before. And it really did help me with what I'm dealing with right now in the pandemic. And so I hope that you learned something from it as well. And I do hope you enjoy it. Let's hear from our beautiful first guest, an amazing creator, Moxie Shenanigans, uh, what's happening right now with her and the pandemic. Hello. Hello, Moxie. How are you? Doing good. Welcome back to the Paper Crowns podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. No, no, I'm so happy to have you back, man. How you been doing? Quarantine episode. Yeah. I've been doing good. <laughs> I've been doing good. I've been uh, I've been dealing. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> dealing is the proper word for it, I think. Yeah, so, pretty accurate. I think that's the best any of us can do can do right now is deal. Uh, but yeah, man. So like, uh, I, I just wanted to do another bonus episode. I, I figured I could check in on everybody, see what we're all doing during this time of quarantine. I did an episode last week where I talked about how this is a very rare time for all of us who wanted to be creative. And and I always said that if only we could just have a month off of work to where we can focus on the things we want to do, all the things we could accomplish. (laughs) And uh, if only we had the time. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, I found myself, you know, we're here. We have that opportunity now. And I'm still, like, twiddling my thumbs. And I'm just... uh, 
I'm reaching out to everyone. I'm seeing like, what are we, what are you doing to, uh, to cope yeah. with this and, and find a way through this, uh, this fog of creativity that we have this rare opportunity that, uh, we're struggling with. Man, I think a lot of us are feeling the funk really hard right now, especially creatives who are so used to, you know, going out into the world and being inspired. And it's tough to do that when you're when you're so limited of where you can go and what you're seeing and your experiences. And not to mention, let's face it, a lot of us in the world are very stressed out for other reasons right now and have other things going on. So there's a there's all kinds of emotions and stress going on for everybody. So for the first few weeks, it was definitely pretty rough for me, and I kind of honestly made a point to focus on not working on anything too too specific because I didn't want to put any negative vibes on it you know it just I didn't it didn't feel right working on anything and I decided to just spend some time de-stressing trying to to visit some of the old movies and video games that I love and and kind of feel feel that inspiration again wow that's a valid point I never thought of it like that of how you know, that, that uncertainty that you carry and that, that fear of what's going to happen can transfer into your work. That's a very solid point you just made. Absolutely. I mean, our, our lives and our mental state are directly reflected in the art that we make and what we feel creative, what we feel inspired to make. So it, it makes sense that if you're stressed out, you know, it's okay if you're not feeling inspired to work on something. If you feel like, I really want to work on something because it's going to put me in a good mood right now, then do that. But you know, I don't think there's any right or wrong for anybody. We just kind of have to do what's best for us and for our art. And for some of us, it's working on things. For some of us, it's kind of just, just getting our mental state together, getting our heads together and our lives together and figuring out what the next step is. No, for sure. And definitely, uh, it's, sometimes it's just sitting down and eating a bag of Oreos, you know? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I found a lot of comfort in, like, I've just been watching old movies. I had a couple days where I just watched monster movies mm-hmm. and a day where I just did Studio Ghibli and watched like Totoro and just just nerd content that makes me happy and all the stuff that's inspired me and made me feel comfort in the past. Dude, um, and, and didn't you just that's, feel like... that's been a, a major help. Didn't you just feel kind of like a honey dicked when Netflix was like, all the Studio Ghibli movies are going to be on Netflix and you were like, yay. And then they were like, but not in the US. It was... It was just, and truly, like, almost everywhere but the U.S. Yeah, I know. And I was like, why would you do this to us? I was, like, so excited. I it's was like, really I can't rough. wait. And they're, they're tough to find. They are, man. And then I was, I was sitting there, and they have, like, a, a box pack on Amazon. It's, like, 70 bucks. And I'm like, I should do it. But now I'm like, no, no, no. It's fine. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I was actually, I was looking at that box set about an hour ago. Not kidding. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure I'm torn. I think it might be a bootleg. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you, and we, it's we, such we, a big box set. I don't. That's, that's kind of a dice roll if it might be a bootleg. No, I'm yeah, worried. for sure. But uh, you, that, that is a very <laughs> valid point of how uh, if you want to be creative but you're just not feeling it, always go with that gut instinct. You know, I think that that's a very valid thing to say because. Uh, like myself, uh, I have been wanting to create and I've kind of built myself up back into that feeling of like, okay, this is the time I need to capitalize on. But you're absolutely right. At the start of it myself, I was just like, I'm a failure. I don't have a job. What do I do? How am I going to provide for my family? All these things came racing into my head. And and then I, I just found like a moment of peace where I was like, we're going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. And yeah. I, and I've accepted, you know, my role as kind of like a stay-at-home dad. My wife works at the hospital, so she's been uh, working really hard and helping out over there. And it's kind of given me an opportunity to be like Mr. Mom and, and really 
step up in that role and cook and clean and organize the garage and do all these like little things that uh, that were projects that I never had time for before. And just in doing those small things around the house has helped me, has helped lifted this weight off of my shoulders to where like I can look at my house now and it's clean and it's organized and I'm like, oh wow. And, and I feel that much more comfortable giving my attention to my work because there's not this level of guilt associated with with doing the work now because I have fulfilled all other needs of my life. Yeah, you don't have it in the back of my head, uh, back of your head that there's something else you should be doing or or something that would take precedent over it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I I I definitely I had waves of that. I like for the first week or two, I definitely had waves of either I was just doing absolutely nothing and just felt super depressed and we do like like you said, you know, we tie a lot of our self-worth into into our job into the work that we put out there and the money that we make and so for all of for that to be cut off for so many people all at once it's devastating even though even though you know it had nothing to do with you yeah. you know <laughs> even if it had nothing to do with your actions because it didn't this is happening to all of us you know this is none of our faults it has nothing to do with any of our decisions or anything that we've done but it still affects your self-worth because because it does because we tie so much of of that worth into into our job but I think it's great that we're getting these, well, I, you, you're saying you did it, and I've done it as well, where I, I had these waves of, like, just feeling really down and not wanting to do anything, and then jumping up and organizing every closet in my house. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, or going into my workshop and being like, hey, I'm always working on a project, and right now I'm not working on a project. I can really organize my space, and I can make sure that when I do decide that I want to work on something again, everything is laid out and looks really good, and I'm doing all of these things that I've been telling myself for years that I will get to. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> but, uh, now I know that uh, when we're trying to aim for things that are helping us to get, to get back to our art, you know, something mm-hmm. that's going to yeah, entice you a little bit, make things a little bit easier for you and more, more inspired for you. I love being able to sit down in a space and have it be a, a space that you want to be yes. in. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, for sure. Now, now Moxie, uh, before, you know, this whole pandemic took place, you actually uh, came out to, you know, your fans and, and everyone else about uh, you taking a bit of a hiatus from you know, your creative work to kind of get recentered a, as a person. And I think we've uh, covered how important that is, especially during this time. But then just recently, you went ahead and, and put the notice back out that you are have hit a, a new level of, of comfort in your life again, and you are back on the scene uh, back to uh, take part in the social media life and, and to be there for the fans. And I don't know if you wanted to take a few moments to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I love, being, I love being honest about any struggle I go through because, mm-hmm. because I would rather be honest than have people think that it's very easy to do, <laughs> to, <laughs> to do the things that we do. And to, you know, I don't want to, to, to make it seem like it's just um, there's no work involved. But it's just... Social media is a lot. We all know that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and working at focusing so hard on your art can be can be very daunting, especially when there's other things that are going on in your life. Um, and we all have to balance it, and it's different for all of us. Um, I just there was a time in the past couple months, even before this whole pandemic started, that there were just things in my life that I needed I needed to focus on, and I needed to emotionally process. And I found myself feeling like cosplay was a job like cosplay and the social media aspect especially um was was a major job it it was a lot of effort and it was taking a lot of time 
away from those very little free time I had to deal with what I should have been dealing with. So I opted to just kind of take a step back. I realized I wasn't, I was at that point, I wasn't enjoying it as much as I should be. And when you're not enjoying it, we all know the work isn't as good as it could be either. 100%. (laughs) No, you're right. So, yeah. So So I I figured, hey, let me just take a, a full step back. I wasn't totally gone. I was still answering messages here and there. I was still... Um, like watching what other people were doing and getting inspired by other people. I think that's, that was helpful for me. I would hope that it would be helpful for other people that even when you're not feeling up to doing whatever it is you like to do, I like to keep an eye on other people because it helps me to be inspired. If, if I'm feeling down or feeling like I'm not inspired to do the work, looking at someone else who's successful and seeing what they're doing Sometimes you see little projects that they're doing or little tips that they tell you, and it gets you excited again to, to get back to work. Um, so I've definitely been on the sidelines kind of watching. I don't mean that to sound as creepy as it sounded, but <laughs> you know I mean? I've, been, I've still been watching people's projects and, and everybody's cosplays. I've still been on social media. Um, but within the last couple of days, I decided, like, hey, especially because we're quarantined, it's going to be better for my mental health at this point to – reach out more to be on social media more to be to get back to to my norm or at least as normal as i can be absolutely now have you uh come in back into it with this uh a new passion for a project something that you're like i'm gonna double down on this because now i want to fulfill it to this point now i'll be honest i've been really excited to do projects around my workspace like i've i've or like i said i've organized it in little and little frenzied fits of of quarantining um, but I've, I've had these little ideas of, of props that I wanted to make just to decorate my walls or nice. just to decorate my workshop to make it look like a funky nerd space. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I, if I'm working on a costume, that's always going to take priority. So these projects I've had in the back of my mind for years, I've just never gotten around to. Like we've all said, we have this list of things we never have time to do and if we had time to do it. Yes, um, yes. So uh, this week I'm feeling really inspired to like take baby steps back into cosplay by starting with props that are only for my walls. And I'm pretty excited to show you guys what I'm going to be up to. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I think the first thing is going to be some massive Pac-Man themed um, cork and foam board. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think it's pretty nifty. Yeah. Well, Moxie, thank you. Like an 80s arcade in here. <laughs> well, thank you for inspiring us once more, and thank you for coming back on and and taking a few minutes to talk to me about everything like that. Uh, do you want to close out with uh, a bit of information uh, or a bit of advice to other creatives out there during this time? And uh, also, be sure to give me one more shout out as to where everybody can find you at. Oh yeah, um, so you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's Moxie Shenanigans Cosplay, so at Moxie Shenanigans, and I do also admin for a um, a cosplay and art share page called Geek Elysium, mm-hmm. and we have just adopted another page called Cosplay Only as well. So two two pages that I admin for and share other cosplayers and other artists. Main message I have for you guys is do any and anything it, you need to feel happy and healthy right now. Everyone's going to be in a different situation. Everyone needs a little bit of different TLC, and whatever you need, that's okay. If you want to work on something, that's great. You don't want to work on something that's okay too do whatever you need to make yourself happy and healthy excellent moxie thank you so much once again and i can't wait to have you uh back in studio and uh we can talk a bit about more uh about the life we're living right now thank you again moxie absolutely thanks so much for reaching out stay safe stay safe you as well take care
And there she is, the great Moxie shenanigans herself. That was such a fun conversation to have with her because it she really did open my eyes to the idea of how we're dealing with our creativity during this time. And when she said that she's actually made it a point to stay away from working on her art, I was like, that's so smart. And, and it really did blew my mind because I've been forcing myself to be like, work, do stuff. This is your time to accomplish. Don't be a failure. And she brought it back and like, you know, the way to success is sometimes just take a moment and recharge your battery. That was such an amazing like Buddha moment for me to, to hear, you know, because I was hearing from someone who I admire and I really do appreciate in my life. So when she said, you know, I just I take a moment and I, I try to focus on the things that I love to kind of remind me why I'm doing this in the first place. I was like, that's so brilliant. That is so brilliant to hear because so often, as I'm finding during this this uh, time that I'm trying to put out content, and I'm trying to do so much because I'm afraid of losing this time that I, I am getting kind of burned out pretty quick. And I have to sit there and realize what inspires me, what makes me want to create, what makes me want to draw again. And sometimes it's good to take a moment and step back and fall back in love with the things that really inspire you to be here in the first place. Moxie says for her, it's sitting down and, and watching a movie and getting back in touch with those things. For myself, I, I took her advice. I did the same thing as I'm watching certain things in, in the world or reading certain books again. It's inspiring me to get up and get in front of a piece of paper and, and draw that character. No, it was never a part of my plan to do that, but that's where my heart is. And that's where my inspiration is leading me to. And so I cannot deny the muse and I have to go and, and give that art back to the muse and say, You've inspired me to do this. Here it goes. And I think that taking her advice has really helped me cope with this pandemic a lot better than, than what I was doing with it in the first place. And helps me understand that you don't have to force yourself to be this machine of creativity. Because that's not what we're here to do. Creativity is going to come to you if you are deserving of it. And the way you become deserving of creativity is just stepping back and appreciating the world around you. I think it's a very important message to to hear and, and take part in. And even further, she mentioned something which kind of borders along, you know, a spirituality uh, aspect of it. But it's, you know, she said, I was feeling all this negativity in the world. I didn't want to bring that into my work because that is something that it, that happens. You had an argument, you had a bad day, you know, you're you're stressed, you're confused, you're feeling a lot of anxiety. And then you're going to sit there and try and paint a painting. I mean, if it helps you cope with it, do it. But if you're looking at it like work and as a job, all that negative energy is going to kind of fall into the painting, fall into the artwork. And so this call with Moxie Shenanigans was an absolute blessing to have during this time because she really did help guide me to a better place. And so uh, if you're listening, Moxie Shenanigans, thank you so much. You're godsend. If you loved her guidance and, and what she said just recently on the phone and the little clips that I played for you, please go back, listen to her episode again. It is filled with such knowledge and such beautiful insight into the world of cosplay, into the world of being an artist. And she is such a beacon of light. You know, she talks about uh, her own life and what she went through and how she overcame, you know, body shaming and accepting who she was and accepting her art. And I've had so many people actually reach out to me and be like, I cried listening to her episode because she actually uplifted me so much. And and thank you for introducing me to Moxie Shenanigans because 
It helped me see her journey and learn from it or aspire to be like her. And so please go back and listen to her episode because it is absolutely amazing. And with that, we're going to tip our hat to Moxie Shenanigans. We're going to move on to the next guest who I was able to have a conversation with on the phone. And that was the amazing Daisy Cox. Now, Daisy Cox, unsung hero and muse of the Reelsverse. This girl absolutely pushed me to become the person that I am recording uh, on this mic in front of this computer, talking to millions and millions. Oh, that was a nice uh, throwback to the rock. Millions and millions. Uh, all my millions and millions of listeners out there in the U.S. And there's really only like, I think, 12. But you know what? If you manifest it, it'll happen. So millions of listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, especially if uh, you're listening, who knows, maybe a year from now. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to start the Paper Crowns podcast from episode zero. Uh, and you uh, catch up to this episode and you're like, oh, he was thinking about me back then. Hopefully, you know how charming that would be. Anyways, what were we talking about? Daisy Cox, you're amazing. Thank you so much for starting this journey and helping me become a better person and helping me discover who I am. And, and your conversation on that we're going to listen to pretty soon, I absolutely love it. I loved it so much that I actually texted you, and I was like, I'm listening to our phone call again, and it is amazing. Such a great guest she is. So, uh, yeah, Daisy Cox, uh, We uh, I'm going to highlight just a couple of things from her episode. Also uplifting and great. Now, she has always been my partner with this whole journey of creating the Reelsverse and creating this uh, lifestyle that I've had of pursuing my art. She's been my partner on, on the side, doing it herself. Uh, we were doing not actually, we weren't really doing it together because all we were doing is helping each other complain about how we weren't doing our work. <laughs> and it actually took our separation. Uh, she went on to New York. Uh, I stayed here in Florida, of course, but it actually took our separation to realize that we don't have each other to lean on anymore. So now we actually have to do the work that's in front of us. And so Daisy Cox, I, I love you so much. You're my partner uh, through all this. And uh, I love the conversations that we had in your podcast, which we talk about so much deepness uh, and and if you, i don't know if uh, you the listener have this person in your life i hope you do because we all deserve this person but just that person who when you uh sit next to or sit across from all you want to do is get into the deep mysteries of the universe and what makes us human and what makes us incredible and i did my best to kind of pick out uh, little pieces of, of our conversation back and forth uh, through daisy cox's podcast and i do hope that you enjoy it. So uh, yeah, the first bit we're going to listen to is just her talking about, she talks about one of the most favorite things I got from that podcast was that uh, we as artists often suffer from this disease called pretender syndrome. And it's just a smaller clip, but uh, she talks about it pretty well. So let's give it a listen. So I'm trying to, not trying to, I'm doing it. There's a plot. Mm. I am uh, writing a novel. Oh, you go girl. And it's, um, I'm scared. To start, I have the outline, I have, you know, the chapters plotted out, I know what's going to happen, I know what story I'm telling, but I only recently did that, but I kept saying for months, I was like, oh, I really want to start my book, I'm going to start my book, I'm going to start my book. I'm scared. Yes. Because I'm like, what if I actually start this and I'm not what I thought I was? Yeah. yeah. You know, like I was like, I have pretender syndrome Mm -hmm. oh, for days but oh dude ugh, ah, but i never heard that before pretender syndrome but now i think it, it's actually the, called something else but <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm calling it today the moment you say it i'm like oh no that's what i have like yeah. i'm not a real artist you know i'm not this and that's such a big fear that i have 
I have that, that I feel like that's the first block that resistance is going to put up for me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what brings me back to it to try again, to keep writing poetry while I'm writing the novel is that's me. Cause like yeah. I have pretender syndrome at work. Yeah. Like, I'm like I'm a manager and I'm like, who allowed this to happen? Mm-hmm. I don't belong here. This isn't right. But when I'm writing, when I finish a poem, when I put it out there, when I finished a short story, this is who I am. This is what I am. Pretender syndrome, man. It's real. <laughs> no. Yeah, totally. I mean, pretender syndrome, uh, as artists, we suffer from this nonstop. And it's the idea of like, yeah, we're new on the scene. Yeah, you know, we're here doing this. Do we deserve it? You know, do we deserve to be doing this? There's other people that put in so much more time and so much more dedication and they deserve the shot more than us. Let's just give up. You know, and this is this is resistance talking. This is the the voice in our head, the negative voice in our head. That is what is whispering these things to us. And the truth is that yes, man, this is what we deserve to do because deep down at our core, whether we went to school for it or not, or whether we have a thousand hours of practice put in or not, this is what makes us smile. This is what makes us who we are. And we need to recognize that. We can't give up on that. We have to keep that going. And so I love that she mentioned pretender syndrome. And she goes, you know, am I novelist? Hell yeah, I am. Because this is what makes me smile. This is what makes me want to pursue something greater in life. And I love that she shared that with us. Now, this next clip that we're going to listen to is definitely going to be a a bit of a longer clip, but I absolutely loved it as well because this is, you know, the meat and potatoes of what Daisy Cox and I love to start talking about, which is relationships that we have and the people that are in our lives and where we actually grab inspiration from. So uh, give it a listen and and we'll talk more about it at the end of the clip, but check it out. Pain is meant to be felt, man. Yeah. It's, It's a very powerful it's one of the most powerful emotions to me like that's I is it is it weird that I say I love like kind of I don't love being depressed (laughs) but how do I say this so I don't sound crazy but um I'm in a I'm in a weird place right now because I'm really happy I'm dating this great guy Joe um he's a great guy yeah he's he's the best Um, but I'm really happy and it's weird because I'm like well where, where do I get art now? Like, yeah. and I was in a period where, you know, I, I was in a lot of, I've been in a lot of pain at times, but at the same time, I was like, just gotta, I just gotta ride this. Like it hurts, but mm-hmm. you're like, I gotta feel this. I just gotta let it be what it is. Yeah. Fighting it. Oh, that's, you're just, you're going to mess yourself the worst. up. You're going to mess yourself up. You're going to, you're going to build a trap for yourself in yeah. new relationships. So you have to own what you've been through. That is the one of the most important things. And not to get like, this isn't a relationship talk show, but. It's not, um, really, but it, it's all part of the artist. Yeah, and that, and this is something I like about um, kind of this generation too, is that, and I'm, I'm realizing it, the amount of times that we've brought up depression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we're going to talk about this. Um, but I love that about our generation is that we are talking about it. We're putting it out there. We're like, hey, I'm going through this too. And that is the wonderful thing about art is it's this great thing where you can, even just as like a consumer, like you're you're reading a poem and you're like, oh, I f- this person feels this too. I'm not alone. I'm not out here. Yes. And that's why I think art is so important because it's expressing those things that people don't want to talk about. 
that are uncomfortable that they're like you know it's the unspeakable things and mm-hmm. that's what my art is it's the things that i can't <laughs> it's speak. The, yeah yeah that i can't talk about or i don't know how um i've got you know i, I can talk about it now but yeah um there you know there are certain things that just you bottle up inside and everyone does and they all feel these things but art is such a great you know um it's a great thing that brings us all together when we all realize to some degree we've all been through this too mm-hmm. I could hear Daisy wax poetic about depression for hours. (laughs) I love the way she speaks, man. I love the way she talks. And I love the insight that she has, man. And especially about relationships, because this is something that that really drives the artist, I feel. Uh, One of the great things, if you look at any artist in your past life, uh, or in in our past life, all of us together, and you look at any artist that you really appreciate, and you go, let me learn about their life. Let me learn about what they've been through. Always, always you're going to fall into this story of love and relationships. And I think that is so gorgeous. I mean, I, in the la- one of the last podcasts I did, I talked about C.S. Lewis and his life. And although he stayed uh, away from uh, mostly you know, a relationship with another woman, he, there was still relationships there that, that drove his pain and his love and, and his aspirations for humanity. And then, you know, of course, uh, during the, the twilight years of his life, uh, a woman that he appreciated as his equal, uh, he did a, uh, a, you know, a legal marriage with so that she can keep her uh, her life uh, in England. But then dur- dur- on her deathbed, he realized that he really loved this person and he wanted to have a spiritual marriage with her. And I think, like, th- what a love story, you know? What a love story that that these people have come across. And let alone you speak about Dolly or or Van Gogh, you know, there's always a relationship there that drives their art, that drives their passion. And Daisy Cox, artist extraordinaire, is is no different than that. And I love that we had a chance to speak about this on the podcast and we get to talk about relationships and love and depression, depression, something so real. And 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 I love the conundrum that she found herself in of like, I'm in a happy relationship now. What am I gonna write from? <laughs> you know, and and it's it's so powerful because we I think we've all been there. We've all hit a point where like you know we ha- we all had that depressive time where we we wanted to write a sad poem. We and we really felt a song. Ever fall in love with a song that really just touched you and you're like, I know it. I mean, Adele comes to mind just alone. You listen to any Adele song and you get immediately transported back to this point in time in your life where you felt that heartache and you felt that pain and you hold up a lighter for Adele even though you're in a happy relationship now and and I think it just speaks volumes to the artist and how they're able to transport themselves into another time into another place where they felt heartbreak and they felt pain and they felt a need to overcome and I think that's what the artist does for people they're able to tap into those those emotions and share them and get people to realize that they're not alone, especially those who are depressed. It, it lets you fe- realize that you are not alone. And Daisy Cox, if you have not had an opportunity to read her poetry or or read her stories, do so now. Stop the podcast. Go to Dazed Confused. Go there right now. Listen to her poetry. Read her poetry. Get transported to somewhere else because she is you know, one of the handful of people in my life that I've been able to meet. And she's able to transport me to another place with her writings. 
What a what a beautiful talent that is. I can't speak highly enough of Daisy Cox, and I can't thank her enough for coming on the podcast and sharing these stories with us. Because art is really there to share what she says, to share the feelings that we can't speak. It's absolute magic, absolute magic. And Daisy is a true sorceress in this world, and I am so blessed to have her in my life. Uh, and and to share this next uh, call that we did when I called Daisy Cox, oh man, I I I, I fell in love with with talking to this girl. This, she is such an easy person to talk to, and she is so excited to share her story and so excited to share insight. She's an amazing person to have in my life, and I do hope you like this next call. Let's give it a listen. Daisy Cox uh, telling us about how she feels uh, the world that we're living in today. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hey, Daisy Cox. What's going on? Not much. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> awesome, awesome. On? How are you? I'm doing excellent, doing excellent. So, uh, yeah, last week I did a nice bonus episode for the Riosverse and the Paper Crowns, and so I wanted to do another one this week, and I felt it was a good time to reach out to all my past guests, see how they're doing, see how they're coping with this quarantine, and see uh, yeah. what the plan is to get through. Now, I would have to say that uh, on my stream on social media, you are probably the most active person that I see uh, during all this right now. And what's interesting about that is that you're in you're in the hot spot. You are in the hot spot of this whole COVID thing. Everybody has eyes on New York right now. So let's uh, let's hear your yeah, take on what's going on, Daisy. Well, first of all, for me, it's just, um, it's really great to hear from you, and it's good to see that you're still going because it's funny when you say you're very active is what kind of kept me going is seeing you know new episodes of the podcast and everything like that which is great because I think what we're lacking right now is everything's at such a standstill like I don't have new episodes of like the daily show and all that stuff everything <laughs> stopped everyone stopped filming so I'm like all the at-home artists it really helps when they're putting out this stuff because I, I just need something to keep my brain going man um yeah, it's it's weird being here in kind of the epicenter of it because it's, it's such an unprecedented event, for at least in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like this happen. No, um, same. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something new for yeah. everyone to experience. And it's like in New York, it's especially crazy because you see all these streets and it's such a tourist spot that I've never, not that I've been here that long, but it's just never this quiet. Um and it's never this empty. It's really crazy. But it's also really cool to see because obviously, you know, we still have essential workers and everything and our um, health care workers, which every day at 7 o'clock, everyone sticks their head out their windows and applauds them for like a good five minutes. It's a really cool thing to see. Um, oh, my God. That's that's that. so beautiful, man, to, to be a part of that. And I, I can only imagine how it like is. this is uh, uh, hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Anyone who visits New York, uh, you know how crazy it is. But for someone to live there, yeah. to actually be a part of this calm of New York that we may, you know, hopefully we can say never happens again, but I'm sure it's also like a, a little blessing in disguise for you as well. Oh, it definitely is. And I I know I'm. that was one of the things I was going into it. And, you know, all my friends were like, oh, I'm so anxious, I'm so you know, nervous, I don't know what's happening, and I did feel that to an extent, but I was like, 
oh my God, I have all of this time and I can relax and I can write and I can go outside and it's awesome. And I'm trying to like not show that as much because I'm not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm over here. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. Like I'm just hanging out and it's beautiful weather outside. I go outside for like a run every day. And then the rest of the time I'm reading, writing, you know, just hanging out. It's great. I'm, lo- I'm loving it. <laughs> now, what are some of the things that uh, that stand out differently about New York now that it's been uh, turned into this quiet area? Now, one thing that I've heard from another podcast I listened to is that uh, the host was talking about how he had called a family member who lives in New York. And he was like, how are you dealing with it? And like, how, what's going on? And she had said, you know what? It's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced, but I can smell the ocean now. And it was like such a mind-blowing thing to think about because the ocean is right there. It's a stone's throw away from anyone in New York, but you never equate New York with the ocean. Well, it's crazy because I actually, um, I live just a, a couple minutes away from the husband. So that's usually where my spot is that I go when I'm feeling too bogged down by the city. But it's still, you know, you can obviously still hear the city. There's just, you know, all this stuff going on. But when you go down there now, it almost feels like, and even just walking down the streets of, like, the West Village, it feels like you're in a small town. And then I I stuck my head out the other day to, like, oh, it was the, the super moon that was out, the pink moon that was out the other night. I stuck my head out on a fire escape. And all you heard was like birds. Oh wow! <laughs> and not, not like the annoying ones, just like birds. And I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't remember the last time I stuck my head out of the window at all, like at any time of the day, and just heard birds. Crazy. It's definitely it's such a surreal but kind of cool experience because also the way New Yorkers react to th- react uh, to things and the way our governor has reacted to the situation is really it's. That is one of the reasons I love this city. It's so beautiful. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, New York is is definitely one of those places where it has an energy about it that, you know, it keeps you moving. You you never want to stop almost. And so to have it almost flip, you know, the, the whole energy flip around to where it's like everybody needs to calm down, but have it still be the same players in the same places, I can see how it's almost like, this is an opportunity for everybody in that city to kind of reevaluate how they want New York to be from this point forward. And uh, it's kind yeah. of weird to think about what would happen with New York City after this. If it, if the people there experiencing this now are going to be like, you know what, we really, really liked that and how that was. And, you know, what can we yeah. do to try and keep it that way? It's a very interesting thing to try and to, to play with, you know? Mm-hmm. And it definitely... Um for us too, just as like not only artists but people, it's it's kind of doing that for everyone. In which you kind of sit back and you're like, I, I read something. It was like a post or something when this all started. Was was it was like, what is going to be worth returning to? So, what parts of life in New York? What parts of our lives are we going to want to go back to? And it kind of we have all this time to think about it, where everything has just stopped and. It's the end, like, it's, well, it's not the end of the world, but it feels like <laughs> the end of something. Like, we're all just kind of on pause, and we have to, like, return to something. So what is it really that we want to go back to, and what was it that we were just distracting ourselves from? It's, it's such a weird, introspective 
surreal times. Yeah, and to, to get slightly political here, I mean, it, it's pretty clear yeah. uh, to see that those of us who are in the streets and, and working and and keeping the, the minimum lifestyle that we have right now going and seeing how we really, really enjoy this, we the people are going to be like, hey, we kind of liked that. Can we change things to kind of uh, blend with that? Can we meet like in a halfway point? But then we're also going to have, you know, the power elites who are going to be like, no, 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 back to normal. Let's get it all back. Let's get let's get it back to the way it was. And I, I kind of see the writings on the wall about how a lot of America is going to be almost reluctant to be like, mm, we don't want to play that game anymore. You know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, because now we're everything stopped and we're but we're still going. So mm-hmm. it's like, is it really necessary that we're all just killing ourselves, working crazy hours and running around and just absolutely not having enough time to, you know, stop and smell the ocean like we can now, in a way, in a matter of speaking. Yeah, but, it's almost like the um, uh, the artistic uh, utopia that all creatives want is just right within reach. And if we can play the cards right, it's like we can find a way to achieve this forever almost. Yeah, and obviously I think there's not one of us artists out here that wouldn't want that. Yeah. But obviously <laughs> the realist in me is also like, okay, well, I mean, we're probably years away from being able to achieve yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. it probably is <laughs> going to go back to quote-unquote normal, unfortunately. But this is definitely a time to be taken advantage because we're never, this is never going to happen again. Well, hopefully. hopefully yeah, hopefully. It never happens again. I, it's so funny because they, we say this will never happen again, but like deep mm. down inside, don't you feel the same thing I feel of like, I hope it happens again, you know? <laughs> yeah, just because it's like, I, I feel like a kid right now, honestly. Like this, the, the last time I didn't have to get up and rush off to work and I don't know, do all, like work is when I was a kid. So now it's just like, I have all this time to paint and to write and uh oh i haven't played my guitar in so long let's do that it, it feels like a summer when i was a kid i don't know no yeah of not being able to go outside that much absolutely absolutely and then i think um yeah your lifestyle in particular you had uh uh taken a a, a lifestyle choice to where you were back in management because you wanted the experience you're you're thinking long-term goals so you had gotten into a management yeah. position uh, that was taking a lot of your time. And and one of the things that I talked about on the last uh, bonus episode was how we all kind of strived for that, that free time to get things done. And I think uh, you mm-hmm. being a person who has definitely been on that, that teetering side of, I don't have enough time anymore. Like, how are you trying to make the best of the time that you now currently have? So I was doing really well the first week. Um, it is still <laughs> I love that. A bit of a I struggle. was doing um, really well. <laughs> with the exception of today. Today I woke up early and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have the TV on in the background. I'm just going to listen to some chill music and write and try to pump. Because I've had like ideas. I've been jotting them down, but I really haven't, I don't know, committed. And actually I think um, your wife, I saw something that she posted. And it kind of called, I felt so called out by it. I was like, yeah. because she was like, the post said something like, now that we've experienced this, you no longer have the excuse of being able to say, I don't have time. It's not oh, that yeah, you lack yeah. the time, it's that you lack the discipline. And yes. I was like, oh, I feel attacked. Damn, she hit but me yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. 
No, it, it is very true. However, on that same point, uh, I mean, I, I actually just got off the phone with Moxie Shenanigans not too long ago, and uh, her and I were talking, and she brought up the point along the same lines of where you were just kind of going. If she was like, you know, I I wanted to do work, but I was just really scared and dealing with a lot of different things in, in life, and I realized that I didn't want to bring that fear and that energy into my work. And so she was like, I just kind of yeah. like chilled and watched movies. And that alone helped recharge my battery. And I think uh, that's yeah. that's and very much what you're experiencing. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think now too, and I, I knew this from like the second week, like the first week I was really productive. I did lots of writing. I, you know, started a painting. I was outside running, going to the gym, cooking every day. Not going to the gym, but like yeah. outside. <laughs> no, I get um, you. Yeah. <laughs> and... And then the second week I slacked off and I was like, I'm going to sleep in because I can and I'm going to relax. And then I got hard on myself and I was like, wow, I lack discipline and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. And like today, it's uh, it's funny because she, Moxie, you said that Moxie's shenanigans said she didn't want any of those anxious feelings reflecting in her work. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me think of today when I sat down to write, I... I could not, for the life of me, everything was quarantine-related. Everything was, you know, I'm very upset that Bernie dropped out. I was oh, very yes. affected by that. And I was like, all of that was pouring into what I was writing, and it all ended up, you know, it ended up just being too much. Because you can't open Facebook or Instagram or any of those sites these days and not see five instant quarantine memes or five Tiger King posts. And I'm just like, <laughs> I need something else go into my brain right now and so I thought I was like okay I need some kind of content what would I want to see if I were opening Facebook and I wanted to read something that wasn't that over and over and over and over again so yeah it's kind of we're all in the same place right now in that there's just one kind of very common theme but I think you know take the time for you to be able to explore the other parts of what you're going through also or at least I am no, for sure. I think um, what you just said was really, really beautiful about how, you know, you need to, one, get away from all of that negative energy that you're, that all of us are being bombarded with right now. Uh, and I even, I even think I said on that bonus episode where I was like, you know, I get so caught up with the idea of being a political advocate that I, I let myself be engulfed by that energy and then before yeah. I know it, I, you know, I just spent five hours bitching about, you know, some political take. And I'm like, that was five hours that I didn't get to do my work. And I see what with what you just said here, if I'm like, you get bombarded with all that energy and what you really need to do is just stay away from it and then put out the energy yeah. that you think needs to be out there. What would you, instead of mm-hmm. flipping open your social media and seeing all the negative stuff, what was it that you wish that you could flip open? And, and be engulfed by that was uplifting and empowering and, and giving you strength and, and hope. And I think it's very important for the creatives that, that we all are and, and the community that we're trying to build to try and really put that out there. And that's a really sweet yeah. point that you came up with. So thank you. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, we actually talked, I think, a little bit about it um, in our podcast together. Um, was it's it's kind of in this time like an artist's responsibility 
is how I'm looking at it. Like, yes. to break up those news pieces and, you know, memes and stuff, because no one has anything to do right now. We're all just kind of out in limbo, and we've all turned to, you know, what show is new on Netflix? What book can I order off Amazon? Everyone turns to what's there, what's, what's left when everything stops is art. So I think it's, it's kind of up to us, those of us that have something to say or, you know, some art piece of art to put out there. I think now is the time to do that. Wow, that is really beautiful. Daisy, thank you so much for spending this uh, few <laughs> minutes with me. It, it was very beautiful to have the opportunity to talk to you again. I can't, uh, I can't wait to have you back in Florida or when I uh, have an opportunity to head back to New York. Who knows? But uh, I'd love to sit down with yeah, you once definitely. again and get another podcast banged out because I think uh, this is just the beginning of our stories. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks for thanks for calling. No, nah, no problem. Uh, quick before you before you uh, before you head out, uh, what's a, a, a quick project that you just finished up? I think you just did a, a post recently. And where can people find you once more? Yeah. I, um, so I just posted a new uh, work. It's called The Distance. It's on www.daisdconfused.com. Um, that's also my Instagram is daisd underscore confused. Um, yeah, and just go check it out and have a read. Awesome, Daisy. It's Thank you so much. Related. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Daisy, stay you, safe, stay, stay healthy, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again, okay? You too. All right. Bye, Daisy. Okay. What an amazing person, man. I love talking to Daisy Cox. I could listen to her all day and hear anything she has to talk about, man. I tell you. So, yeah, Daisy uh, brought a lot of information uh, coming from up north. She's talking about, you know, how this world we're finding ourselves in is so different and how. The future we have ahead of us is equally going to be just as different when we come to realize what we are gaining during this pandemic and what we're losing and how we can try and find a balance with all that. I mean, it's going to be a different place that we awake from once we get out of here. And uh, I just hope that we all are moving towards a better spot, you know, and not just us as artists, but I'm talking about us as Americans, us as people. It's important for us all as a community to figure out the best way for this nation to move forward and do some great stuff. Daisy put it beautifully when she said, you know, we are being bombarded as people with all of this news and and alarms and, and, and bells ringing about the fear of what's going to happen and who's saying the wrong thing and who's saying the right thing. And we can't escape from that. There's no way we're going to escape from, from that news cycle. A lot of the people who are producing that content of what made us smile, what made us joke and, and feel levity in this life is missing and so it's up to us as creators up to us as people of producing content to provide a new outlet and provide a new take and to put forth the energies that we think are missing and hopefully that those people who are suffering or those people who are struggling during this time will feel it and realize that there is a way out of this darkness man and speaking of a way out of the darkness there's no way better to come out of a, a scary spot, to come out of a place of fear or concern than sharing a joke and sharing a laugh, which brings us to our next guest, which was, <clears throat> I mean, I keep doing this. I'm going to fly back. Uh, yeah, uh, aside from uh, Daisy's conversations that we had there, please look into her episode as well. Uh, the episode with Daisy Cox was absolutely phenomenal. We go deep on what it means to be an artist and what it means to find that creativity and find that passion and also the situations that we face in life that help us that help create the person that we are today she is an amazing person to talk to 
So please check out her podcast as well. Absolutely enchanting to, to listen to her talk. And uh, I can't wait to do another podcast with her, as you heard in that call. But uh, yeah, let's bring it back to uh, who I was going into. Miguel Colon Jr. was uh, the next person I was able to get on the call and, and talk to. And Miguel is a comedian based here in Orlando as well. The gentleman is absolutely phenomenal. One of the best storytellers I've ever met in my entire life. And I thought this was going to be just uh, a really, I mean, it was a really fun podcast. But the insight that he brought as what it means to be human, what it means to be funny, and what it means to create this persona, he blew my mind. It was one of the greatest podcasts I've ever done. And Miguel was definitely one of the most anticipated people to be on the Paper Crowns podcast. And so to have an opportunity to talk to him once more during this pandemic and hear his take on everything was phenomenal as well. But I didn't want to, uh, I don't want to jump right into the call without highlighting some of the great uh, parts of his episode. And so please, uh, let's go ahead and listen to that first clip from Miguel Colon Jr. Tremendous comic, tremendous human being, one of the greatest people I've known. And uh, he is definitely uh, a wonderful storyteller, hands down. And you're going to see as you listen to these clips here. So the first one is just going to be a brief clip, something really, really small. And he talks about following your dream and and how it's never too late to do that. And above all, what it means to follow your dream and what it's most likely like in this life. And I, I love hearing him talk. I hope you do, too. Let's take out that clip right now. Miguel Colon Jr., take it away, sir. At the time, I was stuck with this whole idea of keeping my head down and, and focusing on that. You were able to show me that you can still follow your dream and do well and and achieve something so thank you for that man oh man my pleasure i think uh i think a lot of people get sucked into what they're doing and think that's all they can do or all they're going to do and i think it's totally fine sometimes to just be doing something until you have the opportunity to do what you want to do like uh you know you get sold too many beliefs like that uh you've got to be following your dream now or you're never going to get it mm -hmm. or you've got to be but there's you know there's ways to put there's ways to put a certain amount of your effort into your dream while still funding your life. You just got to wait for the moment where you got to cut ties with everything else and go with the dream. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, it's it's hard and it's scary. And sometimes it seems like the moment's not going to come. But, you you know, it's okay to, to split the difference and be like, I'm going to do this for a while while I'm doing this until I get to see the opportunity. Yes. And that's the key because it's not until the opportunity is present. It's until you see it. When you see what's not what nobody else sees there, and you you're like, this is it, the time. Yeah. This is the moment to strike. And, and it's weird to explain that moment. Yeah. But to me, literally, it's like like a window opens. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see a light shining through somewhere there, and you're like, where the hell is that light coming from? Like Dude, it's like flirting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like flirting, man. It's like flirting. It's 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 all there. It's back and forth. It's not real. It's real. But then there's a moment. There's that and, moment. And 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 the best way to think about it is all the times you missed out on an opportunity with a woman because you you didn't move on the moment because you second-guessed yourself or let it go. And that's the same thing that's going to happen with your dream. The same yes. way you don't move on a moment and you could lose the opportunity to spend time with a, with a woman you really like, that's the same thing. with. The, and what's going to happen is the same thing that happens with that woman. You're going to see her with somebody else who took the opportunity, and you're just going to think about what you could have done. Yeah, you're going to have that regret, the idea of regret just hovering there of like, what if I didn't do this? Yeah. You know, what am I going to miss out on? Yeah. And and I think that fear of regret plays into a huge driving factor as to what makes us jump on that moment in the first place. Yeah. I think one of the things you have to do is you have to be more afraid of what's going to happen if you never pursue your dream mm -hmm. than be afraid of what's going to happen if you fail. Yeah. You know, like the fear has to be what happens if I never, not what happens if I fail. Yeah. And, and it's something I felt at this point in time, like you said, that window opened up for me. Uh, 
Once again, a shout out to my good friends at Duck and the Usher podcast, Zach Fisher. Yeah. Zach Fisher. Uh, that podcast is amazing. And literally, it was, I, I've had this idea of doing the podcast for years now. I think you were one of the first person I thought, I was like, man, I'm thinking about doing a podcast called Paper Crowns. And you were like one of the first people in, our, in Orlando to even know about this idea of I've been about this for a while. Pretty, thing, yeah. yeah. I remember when you were drawing sketches of, of what it was going to be. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, and so. And I was I'll, like, I don't give a fuck about your podcast. Yeah. Comp Table 7. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. You got dreams. Their food is fucked. I, I want to make money. <laughs> Comp Table 7. I have two hours chicken parmesan. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Yeah. That's sweet. You've got goals. How the fuck does that relate to the cold coffee? Okay. Let's keep our heads in the game, kid. <laughs> Uh, uh, thanks, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love Miguel, man. Uh, he's so great. Yeah, man, I, I love his metaphor that he had for following your dream, which is he says it's like flirting, and it's absolutely true. You know, when when you don't know if there's magic there between you or another person, you're going back and forth. You don't know if there's something there. If there's something that's going to help you progress, if there's something that that's going to help you get stronger, you never know. And then one day, that moment clicks. It's like, boom. And you're like, oh, snap. This is more than just flirting. This is reality. This is love. And that is what following your dream is like. And I love that he brought that up, man. And I didn't expect this from Miguel just, just because he's so funny. He, he's he, Every time you speak to Miguel, he, he just lifts you up with jokes and stories and things. And to, to get in front of him and to get this really enlightened view uh, of of an artist man he blew me away he's so amazing dude so amazing and as you can tell with miguel it doesn't take long for him to hit you with a bit of knowledge and a bit of wisdom and then just turn around and hit you with a joke man and and i love that he 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 really brought me back to my restaurant days and and i love that time there because it was a lot of fun and and <laughs> i was gonna cut that clip a bit earlier but then i i couldn't man because it was just hilarious man to hear him talk about how, like, nah, it's all fucked, man. What are you doing talking about your dreams? <laughs> There's a time and a place for everything. And and Miguel is very quick to let me remember that. <laughs> Thank you, Miguel. Man, you great. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so his next clip, man, uh, which I, uh, man, I love Miguel. I'm, I'm crying. I'm, I'm listening to his stuff. Uh, the next clip, when it came to Miguel, is all about his comedy origins, man. And, and his origin story really is what made me believe that that I was surrounded by fascinating people because I remember, you know, sitting with him a late night at the restaurant, you know, everything's closed down. He was one of the last servers and we're sitting at the bar, not drinking, uh, but, you know, he was going over his paperwork and shit and we weren't drinking at my own, at my own restaurant. I don't do that. But uh, <laughs> uh, unless someone brings uh, some nice wine and then I would taste it. But anyways, no, aside from that, uh, he and I were just talking one night and he was going on about his 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 life and where he came from. And I was absolutely fascinated. I said, this is a person who has true magic in his life, true passion and, and, and a, a, a life worth telling. And he, he really did make me believe that I was a fortunate soul in this universe because I was surrounded by amazing people like him. And it's one of the reasons why I felt that this podcast had a, a place in this world, because if I could get someone like Miguel to tell his story, then I myself can have a reason to to share it. I myself can can feel like I contributed to the world by sharing the the beauty that was this man's life. And although it's only just a quick thing we're going to listen to uh, on this next clip, it definitely speaks volumes of who he is. And uh, I do hope you enjoy it. Give, give it this next clip a listen 
to Miguel Colon Jr. talking about his origins in life. Um, I have been a fan of stand-up comedy since I was very young, very young. Like, I, I know I had to have been, like, seven or eight years old when I discovered, like, uh, uh, stand-up Spotlight and A&E Live from the Improv. And I used to watch comedy as a little kid. And uh, I couldn't grasp all the humor, but I could grasp the, the way the storytellers told the story. Mm. And I, I learned how to tell a story even better by comedy. And I love telling stories. I love writing and, and watching comedy as a young kid really developed that. And my father was a Marine. Uh, he retired, uh, a master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps, 0811 artillery man. Uh, I did 26 years in the Marine Corps. And, and then in that 26 years, we moved around all the time. Mm. Like if you're, if you're a Marine Corps dependent, you know, every two, three, four years, you're going to move somewhere different. And uh, your father's going to be deployed a lot too, where it'd be like nine month stretches where he's just not home, you know? So as a, as a kid, moving around, bouncing around to different schools, mostly schools on military bases where kids moved around and bounced around, you have to develop a real confidence in yourself because, you know, you as a kid, you, you get to this school, you have friends, you're having a good time. And then, you know, a year into it, your dad comes home one day. He's like, hey, we got orders. We're going to be moving out here. That's and that's it. You know, that's it. Yeah. You know, uh, you could try to suggest places. Hey, I want to go here. But, the, you know, the military is like, that's cool. This is where you're going. Mm -hmm. And you pack up. And you leave, and then it's square one again. That's crazy. And every time you do that, sometimes you're out in, in, in places where you're not in a school on a base, so you're in like a civilian neighborhood and stuff. And, you know, when, when, you, when you meet civilian neighborhoods, these kids have grown up together usually eight, nine years. You know, they've lived next door to each other. Yeah. You know, I have no house I can ever look back at, and that's the house I grew up in. You know, there's dozens of houses I grew up in, apartments, places. You stayed for three months while you waited to move to another place. Wow. And so what you develop from there is you have to develop a confidence in yourself, and, and, and you, have to, you have to develop a way to walk into the room and immediately – immediately start making yourself a player in this room no matter what and yeah. it, it's and it's not always like it's not just the uh i'm gonna make everybody laugh and everybody like me it's it's literally i'm going to control a portion of this room i'm gonna own real estate in this room where i sit my seat i'm gonna have a presence i'm yeah. not gonna be the kid in the corner because you got a limited amount of time to make yourself a presence here and then if you don't, you're going to be that lonely, sad kid with no friends, you know? Yeah. So you learn that early on. And uh, when you're in school in like a, on a military base, especially like a Marine Corps base, uh, a lot of those kids that you're in school with, dads are employed or, or deployed. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of, of emotional tension because your dad gets deployed to like Kosovo for nine months and you're getting letters back and forth from him and you're watching it on the news and you yeah. get, there's a fear, you know, there's a lot of fear. So on military bases, you've got a lot of stress on these kids and families, you know, and because of that, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot. And I loved when I went to school on military bases. Now, when I look back on it, because you did fight kids that were your friends, you did, you, you, you had so much emotions boiling up in you yeah. that you at a young age learned to recognize and deal with your emotions and humor became a big part of it because you were going to get in a fight with this other kid. His dad's deployed for nine months. Your dad's been deployed for nine months. You're worried about your dad coming back uh, alive. You're in a school where one of the craziest things is, you know, when somebody's father dies or mother who who's in the military, when they die, you know, that family has to leave the base. 
Wow. Because military life's over for him now. Yeah. They're gonna be taken care of to somewhat, but it's like so you got a buddy and and, and his father's uh deployed in twenty nine palms and there's a helicopter accident and his father dies. Uh, you know, he's there for like a month and then he's gone for good. Wow. And and I I knew kids that their mother was from the Philippines and their father was here from the States and their father died and and their father, you know, died and now they're not in the military anymore. And they're going back to the Philippines and they never grew up there. That's crazy. You know, they're 10 years yeah. old, never lived in the Philippines, don't speak Tagalog really, and they're now moving because that's where their mother wants to go to be with the family. I can only imagine, you know, imagine how that kid at that point would do anything to like cling onto yeah. that life. Or just yeah. Like, don't take me. You don't know, take like, me. I'm going. Yeah. Oh my God. And then there's like all different types of things that, you know, like boil into being a dependent growing up on a military base especially like during the cold war era where deployments for like the marine corps were heavy but it was always in like police actions like yeah you know uh now a lot of these kids who've grown up on bases have had to deal with their father constantly re-being deployed to afghanistan and iraq or uh, djibouti in africa and places that you know don't always get news coverage mm -hmm. and that was how it was growing up uh, like a cold war kid uh on on bases your father was getting deployed to places that didn't get news coverage because you know, the Marines are an expeditionary force. They can be sent anywhere without Congress declaring war. Yeah. So you can send the Marine Corps out somewhere to combat, and it's not a war. Whereas mm -hmm. the army has to has to declare war. So your father gets sent out. Yeah. It's funny all these loopholes. Oh, it. tons of it, man. <laughs> tons of it. The president can send the Marine Corps anywhere without declaring a war for I think it's like ninety days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's like a lot of ninety day police actions that go on, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, growing up. You know, if if you're if you're moving every couple of years, your father gets deployed to all these like little police actions. Uh, you're living in civilian places that aren't even don't even know this is going on. There's all of that builds up in you. And for me, being a fan of comedy uh, and and being a fan of writing, I leaned on comedy and making the people around me laugh so that I could have a good time when I was really tense and scared and wow, stressed yeah. out. So making people laugh was my outlet to sort of deal with my fear and my pain and my insecurities and now i think it's a lot less making people laugh is about me dealing with pain and fear and insecurities as much as making people laugh helps me feel good about helping other people deal with their pain their fear yes. and insecurities absolutely like i'm not on stage as insecure as i was as a kid everybody's got insecurities and, and you know but to me being on stage is like it it really feeds feeds my ego making me so happy to see other people happy mm -hmm. uh and it's the thing i can do the thing i know i can do to give back to people and uh you know it definitely serves me but i i really truly believe that when i'm up there and i'm, and I'm rocking a crowd and they're having a great time it's something i can do to give back because i know so many people have such a good time when they see entertainers musicians comedians anyone that they can just let loose for a couple hours and and relax and enjoy themselves and i know how important that is miguel Colon jr is doing the lord's work man i tell you this guy is such a powerful speaker and such a powerful comedian he is able to reach out to so many people and show them an amazing time and share an insight that they didn't see before and share a laugh that people so desperately need the guy is absolutely amazing and i loved how his start with comedy uh, began way into his childhood because he said that using comedy was a way for him to cope with his fear of what was happening in the world. You know, whether uh, something happened to another family or whether something was happening to, to his family, he used comedy as a way to mask it 
and, and to help himself deal with a tough situation. And as artists and as creatives, even just as regular people, we do that on a daily basis. We have to figure out a way to cope with the world that we have around us. And right now, I can't think of a, a better time to share that message. Uh, this is a time where we are all facing different levels of conflict with the world that we're living in right now. And we have to find the best way to cope, whether it be through humor, movies, paint, writing, uh, telling stories, spending time with our kid, spending time in the pool if you have one. Uh, I've seen a lot of people get those little rubber pools and, and, and chilling out in the yard now. Do it. Whatever it takes to cope with what we're dealing with right now, do that. And it's such an important tool. And we need to keep a hold of that. We can't let it go, whether it be through art or, or whichever else. We need to be able to hold on to the ability to cope with the world around us because that's how we survive. That's how all of us will survive this. Powerful message from Miguel Colon Jr. Now, even further, when it comes to Miguel and his lifestyle and, and, and what he's been through, there was a particular point in his podcast that I fell in love with the things that he was saying. And it had to deal with uh, directly with his relationship that he had with his mother and father. And just like the first clip that we listened to, you're going to see where Miguel uh, takes this this beautifully poetic situation and he kind of finds a great story to tell out of it. So, so enjoy this next clip from Miguel. Being a military dependent, you have a unique perspective on what the military is. It, you get angry at it sometimes. You get very mad at the way things go down. You're very happy for things it provided for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it provided me health care and a childhood that I had growing up that I, I might not have had had my dad been a plumber or something. Yeah, which you know? forged you into the mm-hmm. person you are now. It really did. It played the biggest part of my love of travel and my my. my my want, my my wonderlust is is the letters I would get back from my father. Like I have, a, I have a, I have a can of of letters from my life of me and my dad so writing cool, back man. to each other. Yeah, and then you know my 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 respect and my admiration for my mother. Mm-hmm. Like this woman could hold a job down, could run a family while her husband was deployed. Yeah. Could could do everything. Shout out to mom. Yeah, without breaking inside. You know, I don't think I don't think about the pain she had to go through, uh, and still hold it up and raise kids and keep a family together. Dude, my wife Denise, she's absolutely lovely. I love her so much. But even just today, I'm like, all right, babe, I'm leaving to go do the podcast, and she's like, don't go. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, my mom would take Polaroid pictures of my dad kissing us. I can imagine us. if I was in the Marine. Yeah. <laughs> my mom would take Polaroid pictures of my dad kissing us goodbye when he would be deploying late in the like middle of the night and stuff like that. Oh, my god. So gosh. she'd take a Polaroid and leave it there for us. Uh, um, you know, and that's and that and and that's a big part of my comedy is is my comedy, I like to discuss a study of culture. I like to bring up culture because yes. growing up, I was immersed with culture. You live on a military base. Your next door neighbor's from Chicago. Your other neighbor, he spent his whole life in Sicily. This is his first time being in the States. He's an American who's never lived in America. Yeah. He's a 10-year-old wow, yeah. kid who's never lived in the States before, you know? Uh you know, you got you got some of my best friends, their moms were Filipino and Okinawan, and you're learning their culture. And you're just you're in this base in the middle of North Carolina where if you leave the base, you're in this hillbilly ass country yeah. town. <laughs> but in the base, you're like like I, I mean, I grew up eating Thai food, Puerto Rican food, Mexican food, Filipino food mm-hmm. from these people in these bases and 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 i would leave the base and go into town and i'd be like we should get some thai food and my mom would be like there is no thai food here. <laughs> like i'm like there why there's no like thai 46 food. thai people i know and she's like yeah on the base you yeah. know on the base just keep your eyes forward miguel don't look at anything else <laughs> do you know we went we went we got to we got a station in south carolina 
And, uh, you know, we lived a lot of our life in New York, too. You know, we'd go back to Brooklyn all the time because mm. my father would deploy. And my mom be like, we're not going there. You know, we're not, yeah, yeah. We're not going to Korea for a year. You know, yeah, so we're sorry. going back to New all York. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the first time we were in South Carolina, we were used to so much different food and culture that uh, when we saw Fazoli's, my mom called them to make a reservation because she thought it was like a nice Italian <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> And they're on the phone like, ma'am, I don't think you're going to need a reservation. She's like, we just don't want to get there and there not oh be a table God. ready. For, for people who don't know what Fazoli's was. It's real Italian, real fast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Fazoli's was like the fast food Italian spot. They were like, uh, what is it? not even the McDonald's. It was, it was like an Olive class. Garden yeah. and McDonald's had a secret baby. <laughs> And Olive Garden was sending it a little bit of because Olive Garden still like the, like you imagine if Olive Garden is like what people uh, in you know bumfuck Egypt think Italian food is Fazoli is what bumfuck Egyptian <laughs> slaves think Italian food is okay the people who built the bumfuck pyramids think yeah, that this yeah. is Italian you know and they love it they love it. they always go to Fazoli's. they love it Fazoli's is, is is their jam they love it. Which I gotta say though, Fazoli's, it, their breadstick is right on with the Olive Garden breadstick. And sure, yeah. argue me all day. That's not Italian. No, You're yeah. right. Is it fucking delicious though? Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miguel, man, I miss you, dude. And uh, and uh, oh man, uh, the next thing that we have on this is, is gonna be his phone call. And and uh, he is th- this the phone call that he makes is so hilarious. Uh, just the way he starts off, man. Uh, but but yeah, in in that past clip, uh, you just get more of an insight as to what uh, an enchanting life Miguel w- was able to have. Uh, and and even though it was difficult, and even though you can sit there and say, I don't know if I'd want to be away from my parents or be away from that. You know, you just have to be grateful for the life that you have. And and Miguel, you can tell that he is one hundred percent grateful for the life he had. You know, when he talks about the letters with his dad. When I was talking to him, and he mentioned how his mother would take Polaroids of of his father kissing him goodbye in the middle of the night. Oh man, I almost broke down crying right there. Man, this guy, it 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 takes a life of passion and a life of emotion like that to really forge you into a great human being. And Miguel is absolutely a great human being, man. And I was blessed to have him on the podcast, and even blessed to have him as a friend that I can just call up and. And have a conversation with, and that's what we're going to listen to now. And you can tell, even just even just uh, the first few minutes of this call, the first few seconds of this call, you can tell how oriented he is with providing great entertainment. And and he told me to edit it, but I, I didn't want to because I thought it was just way funnier the way it was starting off. So uh, please enjoy Miguel Colon Jr. talk about what's going on in the world today. Hey, what's up, man? Yo, Miguel, what's going on, brother? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good. Welcome back to the Paper Grounds Podcast, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back on. So, yeah, dude, I've, I've been uh, calling everybody up, seeing uh, how everybody's coping with the pandemic and uh, the lockdown and all this other stuff. And I uh, just wanted to give you a call and see uh, what you're up to. We're going to keep this. edit it out, but I want to start this again. I felt sure. like the vibe was off. You got me. You literally got me right when I was, like, reading the description to, like, Ozark. Season three's final episode. I was like, "Shit, do I want to watch this now or do I want to save this for tomorrow?" <laughs> pretend like, pretend like you just called me again. Pretend like you just called me again. Sure, sure, yeah, watch, yeah, I got watch, you, I got you. All right, yeah, watch, watch. Yo, Miguel, how's it going, man? Real, chill the fuck out. I'm watching the last episode of Ozark. All right, <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. It's funny, man, how quickly something could distract you, right? Like, literally, I was changing. I was like, oh, that's Rio's calling. And then I was like, God, that's a good sound episode. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you for calling, man. Thank you seriously, man. I, I appreciate you uh, continuing your podcast. No, no. Thank you. Uh, thanking, thank you for taking the time out of your busy Netflix schedule, bro. I really appreciate it. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I'm still working right now. Like, I work for a production company, and uh, a lot of people are like, oh, are you an essential employee? And I'm like, you let other people decide if you're essential or not. You've already failed. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to work, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, the thing is, it's an 80-acre state that I work in, the production company. There's about six of us. We don't brand uh, it in an office anymore, but we, uh, you know, we still produce content and, and write and we're actually we're working on a, a little bid right now for a casino because a lot of online casinos they don't have sports to bet on right now. Oh no, so that's right. Yeah, they're push their gambling and stuff like their like their table games. And this casino we're working with, who we haven't paid me yet, so I'm not gonna mention them. But <laughs> <laughs> they got they have all these uh, they're trying to get all these people to you know start playing online poker again because they're like people that they like people have so much time on their hands mm-hmm. that they uh, they like maybe we can get these guys back to online poker. So like. I've been working on those commercials lately, and it's it's weird for me, just because everybody's like, "What are you doing with this quarantine?" And I'm like, I walk around a lake with a laptop, and <laughs> write commercials, <laughs> casinos. Like it's, it's it's a lot different for me. I think cause it's been for everybody. No, yeah, I mean, I was actually concerned because I know that a, a lot of your uh, focus was on the stand-up comedy, and like a, a lot of stand-up comedians right now are like, "We don't know what we're doing with ourselves." <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, there's this. There's no comedy work. And one of the things that I think is really funny is there's like no, like, this is a, this is a very, this is a rough time, man. It's, it's, it's a different kind of time. Yeah, I'm really sure. shocked that we've adjusted in such a weird way. Like, literally, you know, like, like the world changed in three weeks and we were all like, well, it's different. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know? But for comics, a lot of comics are really like, they're doing a lot of online comedy. Like, they're doing these, like, Facebook comedy shows. Uh, but my thing is this to me my form of stand-up is an audience-based thing yeah and i want that audience i i, need, I want to feed off you know, it's not like when you do like a podcast or a radio show it's a different kind of like comedy where you're not waiting for the audience to feed off the reaction you're moving quick and dropping stuff so i haven't been um i haven't been interested to do any like online stand-up comedy but i know a lot of comedians are because they're going like stir crazy yeah. But I get lucky. Yeah. I'm no, I, I see uh, Ken Miller's like posting every five minutes. He's like going crazy. Yeah, I think one of the funny things, Ken's my homeboy. One of the funniest things I think is uh, I wonder how many comics think like you guys need this right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's so many comics like, no, the world needs this right now. I'm like, nah, we need fucking hospital mats. <laughs> <You know? laughs> We're still getting jokes from our friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But one thing I saw that you did uh, that I thought was really really cool. I don't I don't know if you started it or if someone else challenged you, but uh, you did something where you challenged uh, another comic to do a, a street joke, right? That that started by a couple comics. Ken Miller's the one who kind of like pushed it in Orlando. Oh, cool. He challenged James Yawn first, and then uh, James Yawn challenged me and a couple other comics. But that was fun. That's why I wanted to be involved in that. I saw that and I was like, that I think that'll make people smile. Yeah, you know. Everybody started their like their like Facebook live show 
And mm-hmm. like, it's just me and the wife here quarantine. Yeah. I want to talk to you about our kitchen. <laughs> like, that, wasn't that a, I'm pretty sure Scott is doing that a, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's doing it every day. Shout out to Scott Buffet. Just broadcasting yeah. his day. He, he read a children's book one day, and I was like, bro, we have Netflix. Yeah. We're still okay, man. <laughs> but what I love about it is that he, he has this obsession with like uh videotaping himself with like the bright ceiling fan light behind him, so it's like you can't really yeah, see I his face. Yeah, I thought he was dying. It was like the end of ghosts. <laughs> but yeah, man, but I so I was gonna say that uh, uh I think uh since you know everything's been going on, I think uh your presence uh, online has been pretty uh, up there as well. Like I've seen you posting a lot of your uh, bits and things uh, as like little uh, images with, with everything written on there. And I think uh, yeah, like, I, I was just saying, I'm not sure if you if you've done that a lot before, but I've seen like a big surge of it from you coming up real real soon, real lately. Yeah, I got a lot of time. You know, like <laughs> nobody's doing anything. <laughs> There's no show to go to. So I've just been writing every now and then. And the thing is, with me, that, 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 I, that I'm happy of right now, too, is I know a lot of comic passion and great comic men who I'm actually really impressed with, with their style and everything. But also, it's the, the only thing they think about. Mm-hmm. And so, like, without... I, I'm here in comics right now, like, dying right now without stage time. And I get it. Because, like, it's... The art is... It, it's, such a, it's such a passion to pursue. I dig it. But I'm really lucky in the fact that, like, there's a lot of things I like to do. Yeah. So I, I know I'll be back to doing comedy. I mean, if this is going on for, like, four months from now, which it possibly could, I'm sure I'd be dying to get on stage again. Mm-hmm. But right now, there's just other things that I've been passionate about that I'm like, oh, now I can do this for a little bit. Sure, man. Can and you I talk about those things? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean I've mean, i been writing a lot more. We've been working, uh, doing commercials. The production company I work for, Who You Know Productions. Mm-hmm. And, uh... We weren't really doing commercials before, but we got into the casino, and then we once we got the casino gig, uh, that we're still waiting to pay, but it's pretty much done. I'm just waiting. I wait for the check. Yeah. And it's <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, we just got to do we like, hey, let's just start spec writing. Let's start spec writing for companies that have never approached us before, and let's just constantly spec write ads and send them out. And so we've been working on that a lot, which has been a lot of fun, and we've gotten response, and we're trying to figure some things out. But also, I dived into like the mundane part of, of, of the production studio. I was like, you know what? Let's get the book straight. And it's something I would never say. Like, if, yeah. if there were other things to do, I'd be like, no. My, you know, if, if I could just find a way to do anything other than work, there's tons of times where I'm like, well, let's do that instead. Like, oh, let's yeah. the butterfly. Do what's on. You know? <laughs> but um, there's not time for that. And I have a job. So many people don't. So I was like, you know, fuck it. Let, let me dive into the parts of the job that I hate. And that's been something I'm having a good time doing because it's something I've never really done in life. And it's something that I don't want to keep doing. And the minute I can stop doing, I will totally stop. <laughs> but I just like knowing, yeah. <laughs> I just like knowing that when that presents me with the, you know, when I have nothing else available, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to get it done. No, and that's I good. don't like it. But yeah. I like that, too. I like, I like knowing that I can do the things I just hate doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How easy is it to do the things that we love, and then we always make it sound like a burden sometimes? It's like you know, you know. Oh, no, yeah. I, just, I know so many times where I've been like, I've got to go do a show tonight. God, I wish I didn't. And now I'm sitting there like, I'm staring at all of the purchases we made for cameras, and I so wish I was doing ten minutes for free. Yeah, blockers like bowling out. No, nah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Yeah, I was talking with Daisy Cox about it, about how like, um, you know, we. Uh, we always put other things off in our life 
to be like, ah, there's something else, you know, more fun to do. There, there's another project I have to do. Uh, but then like you always feel like kind of bogged down because as you're doing that project, you're like, well, I still don't, I still didn't finish that one thing, you know? So it's like good yeah. at this point in time to follow through on all those projects, all those side projects that we always wanted to get to, but never did, you know, even if it's something simple like cleaning just the house or organizing your garage or organizing, whichever, you know, you get that all done and then it's like everything falls in place and then you just have like this open slate to just focus on the things that you want to do. I think of the quote from Wayne's World where Wayne is like, it's like doing all your homework Friday night so you can rage all yeah. Saturday. <laughs> so you have all Saturday just to party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what a lot of us are doing in life right now. We're getting all our homework done. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you this too, and this is something that I feel. When you do the things that suck in life, that you feel you have to do, don't dwell on the fact that they suck. You gotta, if you gotta shovel a bunch of shit, don't spend all day like, my God, I can't believe I gotta shovel shit. Yeah. Be like, all right, I gotta shovel shit. That's what I gotta do today. And shovel that shit and whistle and sing. And when you're done, look at that pile of shit and go, I gotta figure out a way to never do that again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. You you gotta figure out, you know, what you for sure don't wanna do ever again. That way it gives you a clearer path to, to where you need to head next. Yeah. That's awesome. why it's so random that we let fucking uh, kids decide their college major at 18. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to be forever? You, we're kicking you out. You got to buy your own food. What do you want to be forever? What? <laughs> it's like, I have to make the decision get now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get out. Get out of my house. What are you going to be for the rest of your life? you be a doctor, have fun. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Miguel, man. Right now. Thank you so much for, for spending this little bit of time here with me. It was great checking up on you, dude. And uh, I look forward to seeing all your other posts in the future, man. Uh, any any uh, You want to drop your, your line where people can find you on the uh, social medias? Yeah, man. I want you to go check out the iHeartMedia. Check out Real Laugh. That's my radio show. Chris Rios has been on. He's oh, yeah. Uh, we've actually been off for like the past three weeks, and we're coming back next week. We're excited. Nice. And uh, we're going to be doing something cool. We're finding a restaurant that are closed right now, and we're broadcasting from like – they're, wherever they have a room where me and James could be separate, but also so we could pump their uh, pro- promote their to-go services and what they got. Oh, good, man. I, I think I have a restaurant for you to look at then. Absolutely, man. Anytime. And then also, uh, just uh, anytime you want to talk, brother, I love the show. I've become a fan. I've listened to a few of the episodes and I really dig it. Oh, thanks. I've never listened to my episodes because I just don't do that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, your episode was like a favorite of so many people. They're like... So many people are like, come on, they're like, dude, you, you need to get Miguel back on. You guys are just awesome. And I'm like, I'll try, I'll try. I love it. I love I love getting to talk to you because I know, I know that like my curse and my gift is we'll start talking about, so what have you been doing during the quarantine and by the end of it? And I'll be like, and there's just, there's no way it was just one media that got the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, Miguel. All right. Thank you so much, man. You have a great night. I'll talk to you soon, bro. Anytime, brother. Take care. Later. 100%. It was more than one meteor that killed the dinosaurs, bro. (laughs) Ah, Miguel, dude. Guy's killing it. Uh, Yeah, check out Miguel, dude. Real Laughs Radio, uh, at Real Laughs Radio, all social media. uh, And check him out on iHeartRadio. You can find the Paper Paper Crowns podcast there as well. But also, uh, check out uh, Real Laughs, man. Uh, Great news from him. We mentioned uh, another comedian, Ken Miller, on there. Uh, he is going to be, uh, I think, uh, uh, a main co-host of uh, the Real Last Radio podcast 
from this point forward. So give them a listen. Uh, James Yan, Miguel Colon Jr., Ken Miller. These are all great comedians, man. They they make you laugh. They they have a great insight on the world around us, and they just blend so well together to make a, a really great radio show. So definitely hit them up, check them out. And Miguel, I can't thank enough for even uh, wasting uh, time to talk to me because uh, this guy is such a fountain of of information. He's such a fountain of inspiration. And uh, I am truly blessed to have a man like him in my life uh, to talk to and to share with everyone else in the world with this podcast. So, Miguel, I can't thank you enough. And I look forward to our next podcast together. But, yeah, as we round out this uh, this last bit here now, this is going to be the, the last of our guests that we listen to. Uh, we have other guests. We're going to have Beryl, Zach, and Josh all together on the next podcast. We're going to revisit some great moments that they had and uh, revisit uh, a call from them to figure out what's happening and what's going on in their world. And that one is also fantastic to listen to as well. Uh, but just to round about this episode, uh, to finish it out and, and talk about, you know, what do we learn uh, from all these phone calls and what do we learn about this time that we're dealing with right now? And some of the greatest takeaways I found uh, from Moxie Shenanigans, Daisy Cox and Miguel put together is that we have found ourselves in a very unique moment in this world and it's difficult to decide how's the best way to to figure our way out of it but we're here and we're going to make the best of it and the best way to really grow from from the world we found ourselves in is to take a moment take a step back we all need to collect our thoughts right now we all need to collect our feelings and figure out what we're going to do and the best way to do that coming from oxygenians recharge your battery you know don't don't be so concerned about the next step you have to make. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and realize what is needed to recenter ourselves and remember the world that's out there that's worth getting back to. Recharge your battery. Do not forget what made you fall in love with your craft. Do not forget about the the beautiful things that helped inspire our imagination and our passion and our love. These are the things that we need now more than ever. Whether it's a movie, a comic book, a novel, uh, an album, whatever it may be, do not lose that connection with those beautiful forms of art that help kept you afloat and make you the person you are. It's good to take a moment and step back and fall in love with all of those things again. Now also, uh, from Daisy Cox, we have to remember to put out the work that you want to see in the world. You know, it's so easy at this point in time in our life to get bogged down with all the news and, and stuff that's hitting us that we're being bombarded with through Facebook, Instagram, you know, at the top of all those things, you're going to see your COVID-19 updates. Uh, and and, uh, and no matter what you listen to, people are talking about the alarms and, and the, the craziness that's happening out there right now as far as what the people who are above us are trying to decide what to do with our lives. And you have to realize that that flow is going to be never-ending. That, that news feed, that news energy is always going to be flowing so we, as artists, have the responsibility to put forth a different energy. We have to balance this world. If we're trying to find balance with ourselves and balance with the situation we found ourselves in, we have to, uh, I want to say battle, but we have to figure out a way to balance the scales and put forth a different energy to balance out all that alarm and all that panic and all that fear. Put out some love, put out some laughter, put out some, some calming energies that people need to listen to right now. And then that falls upon us as creators, because as Daisy tells us, the people that we typically turn to aren't there right now. They don't have the ability to be there. 
And so we have a moment as household names, household artists to sit here and step up and put forth content that can help another person get through this time. And and I'm trying to do that for us. And I look forward to every artist who's able to do that for for me. Thank you. I want to say thank you, uh, number one. And, you know, when you talk about uh, when we're hearing from Miguel, easily do what you can to make the people in your life smile, whether it's through a phone call, text message, or whether you have the uh, beautiful ability to have them sitting next to you, share a smile with them. Realize that even though we're apart, there's a way that we can be more connected and more together than we've ever been before. And that's simply by looking at each other, talking to each other, and saying thank you for for being there by my side and sharing a great laugh with them. And as far as being productive goes, Miguel gives the great insight of, hey, you know, take this opportunity to clear that that uh, the obligation to do list, that to do list that, you know, you are so grateful to put to the side and and not have to do because you don't have the time to. You know, it's good to sit here and say, maybe I'm not going to focus on my own art, but maybe this is a great time to do some nest work, to to really work on my foundation and and get the my garage in order, get my house in order, get my finances in order, whatever it was. This is a great time to step back, put together a plan of attack and execute it. That way you have more time to enjoy the things that you love. And uh, the best way he puts it is talking about Wayne's World. You know, it's like doing all your homework on Friday, so you just have the weekend to party. <laughs> uh, and, and and it's some of the greatest information that, that you can take from all that. And uh, I, I was so blessed, so fortunate to have these friends in my life that I could talk to and give a call to and get this insight from them because it really did help me find a new balance with myself in this uh, quarantine world that we're living in now. And I do hope that for all the listeners, it helped you find a, a balance and an understanding and a new hope that you have. Uh, it's never too late to to really take a step back, relax, and recharge your battery. Uh, think about what you want to do. Think about the energies that you feel are missing from the world and put those forth. And also figure out a plan of attack to execute the uh, things that you had to stay away from or the things that you've been trying to stay away from, you know, get those things done. So we have an opportunity to sit back and enjoy our art and enjoy this time guilt-free and be happy for the things that we have. Beautiful conversations, beautiful people, and I'm forever grateful for them taking the time to talk to me and forever grateful to be have the opportunity to share their conversations with you with the Paper Crowns podcast. And uh, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please, I look forward to uh, to our next episodes and things like that. The next episode we're gonna we're gonna have is gonna be, well, like I said, with Barrel, with Josh, with Zach Fisher, and uh, my son Marcus as well. He we do a nice little revisit with Marcus, and uh, I hope you guys uh, look forward to hearing that one. That one is going to be coming out uh, hopefully Wednesday, maybe even Friday. I'm trying to get my schedule back on track. Like I said, I've been thrown off a little bit. And then I have an idea as far as who I'm going to play tribute to next on the next official episode of the Paper Crowns podcast. And I do hope you're listening. Please check out thereelsverse.com. That is www.thereelsverse.com. Check out uh, us on all social medias, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm also on Twitter, guys. You can tweet at me. uh, Send me some messages. If uh, commenting is a little bit too much for you. Just send me a nice little tweet, man. I'm here for you. TheRiosVerse.com at TheRiosVerse. Uh, check me out there. And uh, I, I can't wait to see who wears the crown next time. 
I love you guys and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Hey everyone, Chris Heroes here, once again saying thank you for all your support. We do hope you enjoyed this latest episode. If you have any interest in supporting the podcast, please head to theriosverse.com, click on that donate button. Anything that you can give to support the podcast will help us purchase better equipment and give you a much better quality experience and also a better quality experience for our guests. Also keep an eye out for our Patreon that will be starting off soon. We have nothing but tremendous love for all of your support and everything that you've given us so far. Thank you for this amazing experience. And we'll see who wears the crown next time on the Paper Crowns podcast.